0: Welcome back to Turf Show Times Radio, the podcast, Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur with Turf Show Times, and this is the Turf Show Times podcast where every week we do an instant reaction show after the Rams game. We also come out with multiple episodes throughout the week, including a preview of the opponent, and that's what we're doing today and with me to preview the Rams upcoming opponent at SoFi Stadium this Sunday at 1:25 PM. That's for the, uh, LA Rams fans 4:25 25 PM. I suppose if you're a Tampa Bay fan checking out JC Allen of the Pewter report coming to talk about the bucks with me, JC, thanks for joining me on turf show times radio, because I'm so excited to preview the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I, I, I you must feel similarly. Come on. You feel the same way about the Rams, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a great game. You're looking at, you know, through two weeks of football, what appear to be two of the top teams in the, in, in the NFC conference. Yeah. So uh, early test for both teams. Uh, I think both teams have weaknesses that each other can exploit. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Uh, it should be a really good one. And this, this has all the makings of a high-scoring, mm-hmm. high-flying passing attack game. So it, it should be really good. And it's America's game, so it'll be nationally <laughs> broadcast too.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the type of game that could be on prime time. But uh, also, this is also the America's game is uh, mini prime time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a marquee game. Everyone's going to watch it. Uh, The NFL, if you didn't know, is still the most popular TV show. And uh, and that's going to be the game that people are watching. This is what I love about football. I don't care what team you root for. If you're a football fan, you sign up. This is. I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, 10, 11, 12 of the best 100 players in the NFL, uh, if not more. And that's all happening in this in this game right here. JC, I, I want to start off talking about uh, what makes the Bucks so feared and uh, respected and good, which is the 10 game winning streak, which includes the Super Bowl, of course. The Bucks were seven and five in Tom Brady's first twelve games. They're ten and zero since then. They've gone up against really good teams and uh, and destroyed the Chiefs. And they've they've had no real issues with a lot of teams. Uh, certainly, they do have some issues, maybe that we will get into later on. Right now, but right now they are the best team in the NFL. What was the biggest difference between those first twelve games and what's happened since?
1: I, I think, I mean, players play. They're ultimately the guys on the field making plays and going out there. But I think coaching had a lot to do with it as well. You know, Tom Brady, 7-5, and five, you mentioned, was still getting the playbook. Uh, you know, he really didn't have a full grasp on that playbook until that week 13 bye week. And you saw what happened afterwards. You know, the, the play action, the uh, pre-snap motion changed a little bit. They're going to... Uh, a different evolution of their offense and and Tom kind of got the playbook down a little bit more and on the defensive side the same thing they played a completely different game in the playoffs than they did in in the regular season a lot of two high looks and you know obviously going against those quarterbacks and those receiving cores that they had they they, you know they put up they drew up the best game plan Todd Bowles uh, to put them in the best scenario to win but I think it starts with you know obviously all the players buying in knowing the system and and believing in in one another. But I think coaching really kind of took it to the next level as well and saying, okay, this is what we can do. This is what we can do well, then teaching it and relaying it down to the players and having them execute properly on the field. um, That's been a huge step for this team. Now going into a full off season after winning the super bowl, unlike last year where it was, you know, a truncated off season, no preseason games. um, I, I think that's really helped this team, uh, especially offensively come together. Tom knows the playbook inside and out. He's able to add more of his stuff. He's able to do um, make, make those calls and adjustments and, and be on the same page with all of his wide receivers and all, all everyone on offense, quite frankly. Um, and the defense, yeah. they, they've, uh, they've came out a little bit slow. But I think that's something that we've seen over the past couple of years. Is the defense is coming out slow, not necessarily for every team, but uh, certainly for this Bucks team, it looks like they're not playing up to the standards that yeah we saw in the Super Bowl or the playoffs.
0: And, and uh, JC, how long have you been a Tom Brady fan? Tom Brady fan. I, bring me back to Mo Williams.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, bring me back to that hit. I am from New England originally. So okay. uh, I, I grew up rooting for Tom Brady and the Patriots. I've uh, recently moved down to Tampa about two years ago and kind of fell into this career and, and it's kind of taken off and I've covered the Bucs now for this will be my second full season. Um, and, you know, just happened to happen to fall in line when Tom Brady and Gronk came down here. So it, it couldn't have been worked out better for me having known <laughs> these guys, watched these guys, studied these guys, you know, as just someone who loves the game of football. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, what's not to love about the guy? I know some people, will, especially Rams fans, will bring up Spygate and all these other <laughs> things that, you know, why the, not dislike Tom Brady. But, you know, he's a classic on the field, off the field. And I really just, you know, he's obviously a heck of a competitor. Yeah. Um, Two-time. Two-time FedEx Player of the two-time FedEx <laughs> Player of the Week so far. Wow! Back to back
0: awards. <laughs> it is pretty. Uh, yeah, there's so many things that I, we could get into about Tom Brady. And uh, I mean, I they'd all be. I think they'd all be positives. But uh, you know, I'm not one of those uh, Tom Brady uh, haters. Why would you hate? I mean, it's it, to me, it's like if you could give anything to go back and watch Babe Ruth play baseball, wouldn't you want to go actually watch exactly. Babe Ruth play baseball? That's what Tom Brady is. You know, he is probably the greatest football player of all time. So to not enjoy that in the time that it's happening, and especially at a time when he's doing something that nobody's ever done before, which just, you know, just it's I, a shame. It's crazy to, you know, think like all the things that Tom Brady, yeah, he has changed about the game of football that he's changed about, what people believe about the game of football, you know, and, uh, uh, that, that is, uh, I want to know, uh, that experience of being a Patriots fan with Tom Brady and then being a Bucks fan with, uh, Tom Brady, like how, how would you describe that feeling of winning the seventh Super Bowl? Was it as exciting as, as the first six?
1: Well, so, you know, obviously as a Patriots fan, I wanted him to stay in new England, but being in Tampa, and actually, it's funny, I actually—it's funny—I put out a Facebook post detailing all the reasons why I could come to Tampa, and I got blasted by friends and family. <laughs> he's never going there. He's going to San. He's going to LA Chargers. He's going here. He's staying. He's retiring. And he came down here, and everyone had to eat crow. So, uh, but you know, him coming down here was best case scenario. If he's not going to be the Patriots, at least he's with a team that I can watch. And I kind of, you know, two three months later, fell into covering the team. So I, yeah, I, I will know. say. Um, all the Super Bowls are great. I think that twenty-eight to three, you can never replicate what he was able to do. But this Tampa Super Bowl, for me, it was really it, it was it was a little bit different because I was connected to it. You know, I was interviewing these guys pre-Super Bowl. I was talking to them post-Super Bowl. I was, you know, covering the team, so I was a little bit I was invested as more than just a fan. I mean, I'm yeah. a fan of Tom Brady. I'm, I'm, you know, I try to stay really, um, uh, you know distant away from being a fan of uh being a, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, I want to ha- make sure that when I'm writing when I'm talking it's not coming off as you know bias yeah. or anything like that but you know as a fan of Tom Brady as a as a you know just being so close to everything it was uh, it was definitely uh it was definitely a great feeling having them win the Super Bowl here make history and uh, it was, it was different because at that point, the, the, the Patriots were ruled out. So, you know, if you're going to root yeah. for anybody, root for Tom Brady and covering them and being able to talk to, you know, Gronk right after he wins the Super Bowl. it was experiences I'll never, ever, ever forget. So uh, it had a different, it, it had definitely had a different uh, weight to it than, than any of the Patriots ones, but uh, equally just as satisfying.
0: There's no question that the, uh, you know, the 17, uh, the 16 and I'm already on a 17 schedule with the history somehow, but I was going to say the 17 and 0 Patriots, but there's no no. history that the uh, 16 and 0 Patriots were uh, an extremely talented team. And there's no question that uh, Tom Brady uh, went to, you know, won six Super Bowls and, uh, and he just won one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, as someone who has studied Tom Brady's career, uh, talking about the 2021 Bucks. Could this be the most talented team that's ever been around Tom Brady?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at last year and this year, I mean, they're two of the most talented teams for sure. Um, even that 2017 that I can't believe you brought up. <laughs> I just <laughs> told you I was a Patriots fan. I didn't bring up the greatest show on turf, but no, <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I mean, I really do. I mean, you look at it all over the all over the field, there's playmakers. And, you know, certainly this year, probably more to an extent, that he knows the full offense that he's got Antonio Brown for a full year instead of eight games. It, it looks to be now the running game hasn't gotten going. Um, you know nearly anywhere where they wanted it to. They have Giov- Giovanni Bernard here, who's you know kind of like that James White security blanket that they haven't used as much. But I think if you look all over the field, even Gronk, um, you know two weeks, two tutties. Uh, I, I think he's got his feet under him he's got the playbook under him what makes and Gronk
0: just- so good and is it just that he's a giant guy who catches passes really well what makes him so good in the red zone it's everything
1: this guy is I mean he joked I don't know if you watch the Peyton and Eli that yeah watch film but this guy is one of the smartest players in the NFL he really is and you know Tom Bill Belichick you know anyone will tell you this guy puts in the work uh, BA will tell you he puts in the work and you know he studies on his on his opponents and his size, his speed, his you know hands, all definitely play um, in, into a part of that. But his relationship with Tom as well, uh, just knowing that hey, I know I've got this guy. If it's this coverage, he's going to do this, and not having to kind of wonder you know what's happening, knowing that they're already seeing things the same way, make them such a dynamic duo in the red zone and you know, Gronk again, his, his ability to scout opponents and get with Tom and talk about, okay, what are we seeing on this coverage? What do you want me to do? Helps make him, you know, in my opinion, the greatest tight end of all time.
0: This team, uh, did face off, you know, against the Rams last season, the, uh, you know, the Rams won that game. It was, uh, you know, it, it was, kind of su- surprising obviously to see how the two teams went in different directions after that although it kind of seems to be the case a lot every year uh you know sometimes the best teams in november are just out of it by december and uh, uh or at least early january and uh the bucks they lost that game they lost that game to the chiefs the week later and then age straight after the bye week uh but that game against the Rams, these are very similar teams in a lot of ways. The one big change, of course, being Matthew Stafford. And that, uh, that should be quite a notable change. That should be a pretty big change uh, to throw into the mix on top of everything else. Um, what are your thoughts based on what happened last year? Because it will be such a similar game, but in a new location.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, Matt Stafford's huge. Bringing him in uh, brings a completely different element to the offense. Uh, you know, there were times where they'd want to get the ball down the field, but Goff just didn't have the arm strength. and That's not the case with Matty Stafford. He yeah. can he can chuck the ball, and we've seen that throughout two games, the uh, Van Jefferson and obviously the Cooper Cup, who uh, speaking of last year's game went off completely, uh, 12, ca- 11 catches, 145 yards, no touchdowns, but made three critical third down, uh, conversions to keep drives alive. Robert Woods, again, right there, 12 catches, hundred and something yards with a touchdown. So, uh, adding a guy, and I mean, Ben Jefferson too. Yeah. I mean, he had a touchdown in that game as well. So adding a guy like Matt Stafford definitely brings this offense up to a, a different level. Um, you know, similarities, Definitely on both sides of the ball. I think you're looking at uh, a guy like Jalen Ramsey and a guy like Carlton Davis. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey is probably the best cornerback and a top five defensive player in the game, but he's probably going to be shadowing your best wide receiver, which is Mike Evans. So he'll take the matchup of Mike Evans Well, Carlton Davis takes the matchup of of, um, Robert Woods, which leaves you with both of these teams really having uh, questions at cornerback following up two of the most prolific wide receivers from the slot in the game right now which is Cooper Cup and and Chris Godwin Um, it's a it's a different level Antonio Brown out right now on the COVID list Uh, asymptomatic thankfully so two negative tests within 48 hours he can come back I think if you're looking at Antonio Brown and Van Jefferson you give the slight nod just a slight nod to Antonio Brown but still two very dangerous players in their own right so you know you look at it um, across the board, and they're going to present some some of the same challenges. The one thing I think works a little bit more in the Buccaneers' favor is offensive line. I think their offensive line is, is much better than the Rams. Uh, we saw them last year hold Aaron Donald statless. That doesn't mean Aaron Donald's presence wasn't felt because it certainly was tying up multiple blockers but they were able to say, okay, beat us with everybody else. Last year, the Rams had trouble doing that. This year, the Rams seem to be doing a little bit better job of really, you know, having contributors come from um, everywhere else, whether it's Floyd or Ritter or or any of those other guys who are coming on. Um, So, but, you know, if you look at flip that around on the other side, I just don't know if they're going to have an answer for the Buccaneers pass rush, which hasn't got to the quarterback as much as they'd like, but has gotten a ton of pressure on the quarterback better in their face. And definitely a few miss sack opportunities, yeah. uh, I think this, this line for the Rams are really going to have their hands full and they're going to have to really hold on to their blocks right. and maybe even use um, some running back and tight end protection to, to keep Matt Stafford off his back. So I think right. that's where you're looking at as the, as a key matchup where, you know the bucks are gonna have to try to exploit and, and take advantage of because I don't think they're gonna allow either it's Henderson or Sony Michelle to run on them.
0: Yeah it, you know it's uh I, I would say definitely that the Bucks will present one of the most uh difficult uh front sevens to deal with in the NFL you know being the Super Bowl champions with uh you know a healthy Vita via added into that as well as Joe Tryon uh I, I, more yes. and more as the year goes on uh in addition of course to uh Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul and Levante David and Devin White and uh <laughs> Nam, Nam Su. you know it's a, it's uh it's, it's pretty stacked up there so no doubt, I think that the Rams offensive line more so than the Rams offensive line either uh it's just that having a quarterback like Stafford back there means that the Rams can allow a little bit more pressure now because he's not going to panic. He's not going to freak out. He's going to, exactly. He's going to climb the pocket and uh, look for the throw. So that will be the, another, yeah. Another really good test there because Brian Allen against Vita Villa, you know, Brian Allen, the center of the Rams, he's had a nice start the season uh he's gone up against some really nice defensive tackles as well uh via and sue are are of another level maybe maybe (laughs) the best dt combination in the nfl so uh, but you know you talked about the rams pass rush as well and you know really i think the one thing going is aaron donald and i think him and maybe sebastian joseph day has been an underrated yes uh, player this season yes uh so uh but would like to see the Rams, some of those other players, including Floyd uh, be a little bit more uh, consistent there uh, as in terms of being another, an an, another real pass rusher. Uh, and certainly I think you're right about, uh, and you would know Tampa Bay's offensive line um, being one of the better ones. In the I mean, how I am. Mean, I'm assuming uh, Tristan Wirfs is still on the path to being like an all pro.
1: Yeah, he had, a, he had a bad rep last week. Um, But I mean, that's so he's still a second year player and and bad reps are going to happen to everybody, but uh, you know, I very encouraging by this kid, you know, and I definitely agree with what you said about Matt Stafford. And I think that's one of the biggest things too, about this, this offense going forward Deshaun Sean McVay's got himself a quarterback. He doesn't need the quarterback, Uh, you know, Uh he's, he's he's not on the sideline. You know, he's got a guy who, who's a veteran of the system, a veteran of the game who picked up the system very quickly and can go to the line, make reads, make all the adjustments, make the, the hot routes. And, And not only that, not, make mistakes i mean uh, i know monday night football whether you're watching it or not jared goff goes in there and throws that interception which essentially takes the lines out of any sort of comeback um window and you know i I put it up on my that's the jared goff i know and that's the jared (laughs) goff rams fans have come to know and having a guy like matt stafford who's got a five and one ratio right now um is definitely a breath of fresh air i do think you know you mentioned allen and Um, Vitavea is two for two sen- taking centers on trips to their quarterback. So uh-huh. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little, you know, a little vacation back there to Matty Stafford uh, at, at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a good matchup. I think a really great test. I'm surprised again, as same as with the Patriots game the following week for the Bucks, that these matchups are so early, especially with the Buccaneers, where their schedule is just it's it's kind of weak, you know, it's, it's rated the fourth uh, easiest strength of schedule. I know any given Sunday that can change based off last year's records, but you know, you're, you're putting the Cowboys, you're putting the Rams, you're putting um, the Patriots all in this real quick four week window. And I'm surprised that they didn't stretch it out or make this a primetime game, because I think this game is going to have a lot of eyeballs on it mm-hmm. because these are the two in my opinion, are uh, the two creams of the crop in the NFC. Uh, I do know- think in a
0: way, like in a way, because you, as you did say of it being America's game of the week, I mean, in a way, it feels like this is another opportunity. Because like having Tom Brady and the Bucs go to SoFi Stadium in the second SoFi, because the first SoFi Stadium game was on primetime for Sunday night football. The second uh, SoFi Stadium game, I think we, last week with the Chargers, they were on primetime, I think. Am I wrong about that? Uh, the second know. game? Yeah, no, they were. were the Chargers uh, they were, on primetime last week? The Chargers? Oh, no, the Chargers were at home at SoFi Chargers Stadium.
1: played the Cowboys. I don't know if they were primetime or not. I don't think so. Uh,
0: but then this game, you know, being at SoFi Stadium, yeah, a lot of eyeballs on it. I wouldn't be surprised if it uh, does, you know, record numbers. Like, if, the, if, if on Monday the news comes out that the ratings were the highest uh, – sunday afternoon game since 2013 or something that wouldn't surprise me um well you
1: know the nfl wants to show off their brand new building that's so well yeah oh oh, (laughs) yeah yeah
0: right uh uh so i wanted to ask you about the secondary in tampa bay so let me see if i can do this it's going to be a challenge but i'm going to try and rank your six uh the way that you feel about your six young defensive backs in the secondary uh for tampa bay Uh, And you tell me how how right or wrong I am. Uh, So there's six, I'm guessing. uh, Number one, Carlton Davis, 25-year-old cornerback. Number two, Antoine Winfield Jr., 23-year-old safety. Number three, Mike Edwards, 25-year-old safety. Number uh, four, Jordan Whitehead, 24-year-old safety. Number five Jamel Dean 25 year old cornerback and number six Sean Murphy Bunting 24 year old cornerback am I close yes and no so pretty <laughs> much that order um but
1: I, I I'm you're sleeping on Sean Murphy Bunting and I know if he's he's injured right now and and had a little bit of a game you know earlier in in against uh Cooper Cup there Uh, not Cooper Cup Amari Cooper sorry one of the Coopers Uh, (laughs) um, uh, but I've got him number three I've got Carlton Davis who I think is on the cusp of being a top 10 cornerback if not already there Antoine Winfield Jr I think if he continues to play at a high level that he finished off last year and you know did last year as well I think he becomes a top 10 safety that's certainly top 15 safety if he's not already in this league Um, and then I got Sean Murphy Bunting I know he's injured right now but I've seen a lot of growth from him, especially in the playoffs. He was playing banged up all year last year, got injured in the first game, drew a tough assignment, you know, covering guys like CeeDee Lamb and Cooper and Amari Cooper. So, you know, I give him a little bit of slack on that. Um, but then I've got Mike, Mike Edwards for some of the reasons you saw. Uh, I just I mean guy's a ball hawk and now he's showing that he can play some nickel as well so Mm -hmm. uh, they definitely need to find more ways to get him on the field and get him on the field as soon as possible uh, in different scenarios other than just you know sub packages then I got Jamal Dean um, because you know you can't teach speed and he's still learning he's still progressing he's still you know getting down um, concepts and and how to read quarterbacks and the, so I think he's got a high I think his ceiling is higher than what he is and I, I got Jordan Whitehead bringing up the rear because I just think Jordan Whitehead is what he is you know he's a hard-hitting safety in a in, in a in a dying game um you know he's very limited he had two interceptions last year but he's not really much of a playmaker obviously the force fumble in Green Bay Um, he'll give you some of those plays, but you know, his range as well. Um, I I just think the other guys ahead of him, I think you can move Antoine Winfield to strong safety and still have some of the aspects and move Mike Edwards to free safety, which if they don't resign Jordan Whitehead, you could look to see happen um Mm -hmm. this offseason. But that's the way I've got him ranked. So I mean, pretty close, a little bit off, but uh
0: the top two are right. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any uh players on the Bucks who won't play this weekend? Uh, young players that are just stuck on the depth chart that, uh, that Tampa Bay is very excited about. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one, you know, two
1: guys who might, or yeah, two guys who might not play um, it's going to be Ant- Antonio Brown, who is on the team's COVID list to talk oh, yes. about him a little bit earlier, which would open up the doorway uh, especially because Jaden Mickens, as well, his day-to-day with a hip injury, that opened the door for Jalen Darden, the, the team's fourth-round pick they traded up for. Mm-hmm. A very explosive kid. Some, you know, he's he's had some rookie mistakes, rookie handish hand problems, but he's the team's. Uh, he'll probably be the team's returner if Jaden Mickens can't go, and they might dial up some packages for him. Electric off the line of scrimmage. Electric with the ball in his hand. Uh, this guy was performing pretty well in training camp. So well, in fact, that he could only really go up against the number one cornerback unit. Uh, we're talking to SMB, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, and Carlton Davis, because the rest of the guys, he just blow, blow them off the line of scrimmage. And even he still made some plays on those guys too. So as a rookie fourth-round pick, I think if Antonio Brown can't go and if Jaden Mickens can't go, you might see the debut of Jalen Darden. Hmm. Another guy who will play no matter what, but may see more – Uh, playing time extensive playing time could be Joe Tryon Shoinka. Uh, you have JPP was held out of practice uh today with a shoulder injury. Uh, if he can't suit up, Joe Tryon's going to take that. Shoinka is going to take that. We call him JTS because Joe Tryon Shoinka gets really (laughs) exhausted.
0: Is it is it uh is that the uh etiquette you can't say Joe Tryon? Is that not enough? that's his name you know his he wants okay, to say because so I, I only have react because that wasn't re- why i wonder why they didn't report it that way or what, what well he was changed his jersey
1: number towards oh, the end of yeah. training camp so i mean joe tryon showing that's the jersey drink, you wore all through college yeah. as well so you know oh, i just yeah. call him jts when i can after i've already established his name but he might get more playing time and he arguably could be our, our john ledyard wrote about this in his bucks briefing that came out this morning he could potentially be the best the bucks best one on one edge rusher right mm-hmm. now already. Um, he's amazingly good. Lewis Riddick talked about him recently in an interview I had with him. Um, you know, he could be the steal to draft, he said. Uh, this guy, <laughs> the combination of strength, size, agility, smarts, uh, he's a real deal. He's going to be terrorizing quarterbacks for a long time. So, um, you know, Kevin Minter is another guy who might be out. So maybe Mr. Irrelevant Grant Stewart. Or, or uh kj Britt see, see a little bit more time uh playing but for the most part uh, i think what you're gonna see is you know the normal crew go out there Keyshawn vaughn i think will probably remain inactive who's his second year running back uh-huh. um but yeah i mean i i you know hopefully you don't see do any you think offensive that the linemen. bucks
0: uh <laughs> do you think the bucks will run the ball at all i think they'll try
1: i mean you got to establish the run and, and you know you don't need necessarily need it to for the play action. Cause that's been disproven. And, you know, the Buccaneers still did a great in play action and could barely move the ball last, last week. Uh, Tom Brady was 10 for 14, hundred and some odd yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, you don't need to set up the run to set up play action, but you know, you, you need to get it going at some point, especially in the latter half of games when you have wins and it's something mm-hmm. that this Bucs team has not been able to do. Rojo um, for some reason has this mental blockage. Uh, he, he, you know, he's still one of these guys that is not ever going to be, I think a, a true three down running back. He's he showed that on a third down play where he completely whiffed on a blitz pickup and got Tom Brady hammered another play as a runner where uh, as a receiver, where he caught the ball and went out of bounds about half yard before the sticks, when he could have lowered his shoulder and kind of, you know, got the first down, but it looks like he kind of cowered it out. Um, and Leonard Fournette is more of a volume guy. You got to give him a lot of carries to get going. And the way this this offense is is predicated is it's to pass first offense. So, you know, you're not going to continue to pump the ball to the running backs um, when you have such explosive wide receivers on the team. So it, it's going to yeah. be difficult. And for some reason, I don't know yeah. why, but Bruce Arians will not use Giovanni Bernard you know, on third downs especially, and that's a, kind of his role. And I think he could be a huge asset to this team and it'd be an extension of that run game, much as Tom Brady used. You know, you name the running backs. You know, Kevin Falk, Deion Lewis, you know Woodhead, uh, James White, Shane Vereen. The list goes on and on and on of yeah. how many running backs he used as an extension of the run game. But they're not getting Deal involved in that. But Spe- definitely think they're going to try to. They have to.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the Patriots. um, you know, Bill Belichick was a guy who always won a lot of uh, games, and then his assistant coaches would get head coaching jobs, and those wouldn't always or ever work out, you know, up until a certain point. Uh, and, And Bill Belichick always had his guys. And so a lot of his guys would either just not leave or they would return. Uh, And that's kind of been the case with Bruce Arians as well. It seems like he really has his guys like a Todd Bowles uh, or Byron Leftwich, uh, the two coordinators, uh, Harold Goodwin, uh, the assistant head coach. A lot of it it seems like his guys. Do you expect uh, Tampa Bay to – retain a lot of assistant coaches if they uh, continue to win and Tom Brady doesn't go anywhere. Do you feel like this is a, a group that's going to stick together?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think Todd Bowles definitely gets some interest this year. I think Byron will gets some interest this year. It also depends on what's going to happen. I mean, the cap is going to go up this year, but you're not going to be able to afford to keep everybody around guys like Steve McClendon, uh, Nadam Kasu they might decide to retire um, you know, depending on the outcome of the game, you might have other guys decide to go elsewhere. Um, I think it's going to depend on kind of what, what's going on now. You know, if they go to the Super Bowl, it's a little bit different this year because now, you know, you can hire guys before the Super Bowl. Um, you can talk yeah. to them and, and hire them before you couldn't do that. They changed the rule. So I definitely think they'll get looks, whether they, they feel like they're ready to go off on their own is one thing Todd Bowles. I think it's going to have to be a very, um, you know, a good situation for him. I don't think he wants to go back into a jet situation. Uh, I think it's going to be a team that just, Hey, we need to shake up that coach, but we have the talent on the offense and defense side of the ball. Let's get you in here and, and, you know, let's go. And for Byron, it might be like, Hey, we want a young coordinator. You know, let's get a young guy in here who is still, you know, still a little bit green, only three, four years, really two years play calling. Um, but I feel like it would be perfect for him
0: to uh, go replace urban Meyer in Jacksonville.
1: A lot. I'm hearing a lot of urban Myers one and done. I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's the case, but again, that's a team that that needs some help too. I mean, you look on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know what oh, their yeah. cap spaces is, is going to be like that, but I think both of these guys aren't going to want to leave unless it's the right situation. Todd Bowles has been there, done that, been a head coach, and he knows how difficult it can be. And I think you know, parting that wisdom onto a, a Byron Leftwich as well from BA and also from, uh, from Todd Bowles to say, hey, make sure the situation is right. If you know you come back and we continue to win, it's not like your name's gonna be taken off the, the coaching list. People are still gonna be interested interested in you. And sometimes it's almost like, you know, the girl at the dance, you know, you 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 it turns you down, it makes you want her more, you know. So yeah. you never know. You know, if he turns someone down or, or decides to whatever, it might be a situation. But then you might have something open up like in Chicago and the chance to work with Justin Fields might be too alluring to him. And he- um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason uh, or yeah. in the playoffs, actually, once the coaching candidates start being named around. But I certainly expect yeah. both of those guys to get interviews.
0: Yeah. And uh, well, do you think, uh, well, now I have two questions, but then the, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up. It's been a great to know. Now I feel like, yeah, I even know a lot more about the Bucs uh, and much more, even more excited for this game. Uh, well, the, the Bucks have a young quarterback to work with any, any excitement there on Kyle Trask? Kyle Trask is a rookie <laughs> and he's a second round
1: rookie. You know, he's not a right. guy, you know, he, he looked, he, the grasp of the offense was coming. But again, this is a guy who never really took any snaps under center. So he's having to learn all that. Um, there's, he's learning from the best though. I'll say that, you know, there, there's definitely signs of encouragement. But when you're learning from, and when I say the best, I'm not even just talking about Tom Brady or Bruce Arians. You know, Bruce Arians, a quarterback whisperer, Tom Brady, the best of all time to ever do it. But he's got Tom Moore, who will forget more about football than we'll ever know. Uh, he's got Byron Leftwich. He's got Clyde Christensen. Uh, you know, Blaine Gabbert, for what he's been in the league, still has a wealth of knowledge, especially in this system, in this offense. Uh, so he's under great hands, great tutelage. Um, whether he pans out to be the, the team's future or not, it is here or there. I'm in the school of thought, you know, much like especially watching the Patriots growing up. Always draft to have a developmental quarterback on hand. You never know what it's going to be, whether it could be a Ryan Mallet, it could be a Jacoby Brissett that gets you a, a Dorset that helps you win the Super Bowl, whether it could be a, a Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it could be, you know, a Jared Stidham, whatever it could be, a Brian Hoyer, even though he was undrafted. You should always be in the process of Matt Castle, another one. um, always be in the process of developing quarterbacks, young quarterbacks on your roster. And that's what they're doing. I mean, if you looked at this roster, yes, maybe you could take, you know, make a a case that they could have taken a second second round cornerback, you know, at the end of the second round now with cornerback issues and having a guy like D. Delaney be your fifth guy. Maybe they could have taken, you know, a fourth safety, or maybe they could have taken a, you know, ninth defensive lineman. But at that spot, at that position – you know, you got a guy that you believe in that you know seems to fit your system. Is the type of guy that BA likes. Why well, not take the risk on him? You know, you're you're in a point in time with a roster so stacked that you can take that luxury, that you can afford that luxury. I mean, this is a team that was going to go wide receiver running back in round one if Kadarius Tony or, or Travis Etienne was still on the board. So, I mean, you know, you grab the guy like Joe Tryon Shoyinka, who looks like he's going to be in a, you know, a, a top defensive edge rusher uh, in the league. Yeah, You know, why not roll the dice, roll that dice in the second round on a quarterback who could be, um, you know, potentially, you know, your successor to Tom Brady. Right. Uh, and, and if you look after Davis Mills and um, – Linking on the other guy's name. We're, take- uh-huh. Mullen, we're taking right after him. So, I mean, you know, that that looks like that it was a sweet spot for quarterbacks. Now, Kirk Cousins in one place, Deshaun Watson up in the air. Davis Mills is going to get his first couple starts here. But, you know, that yeah. looks like the, the sweet spot for, second, for quarterbacks
0: if you're going to take one. Yeah. It was, and yeah, it seems like if, if you can, if you can make a second round pick, if you can make a developmental pick that you guarantee is the number three quarterback for at least a year, that's always, I think more preferable to some of the situations where quarterbacks have already been pressed into situations maybe too soon, but uh, yeah. you know, yeah, last, you know, uh, the one last question I have, you know, I don't, I never tend to do like, you know, predictions or scores and stuff like that, especially in a game like this, you know, it's uh, it's just too heavyweights right now. <laughs> but the NFL did something else with your schedule. And, uh, you know, it's, it's that part about uh, playing the New England Patriots in week four and in New England and nobody will probably appreciate it more than you, uh, J.C., <laughs> Do you even care about the Rams game? Do you think that people (laughs) are even, do you think that there's any chance? I don't think that Tom Brady would ever overlook a game. So I'm not worried about Tom Brady. I'm also not worried about the Bucs. I'm not really thinking about uh, whether or not the players can handle it. But do you think there is that the Patriots are next? Uh, Definitely. It's definitely
1: looming. Um, You know, they're, they're definitely getting questions asked about it but I don't think fans are overlooking this team. And this is a, as you said, two heavyweights, this is a matchup um, right now that obviously, you know, Mike Evans called it a revenge game. He's looking forward to to going out there and beating this Rams team who came in and and beat them at home. So I don't think anyone's really overlooking it. I know in the back of their mind, you know, Patriots are next, and it's going to be, you know, a game that Tom Brady has returned to new England and, if, you know, he does not play for another three years after this, they're not going to see each other because it's only once every four years unless they meet in the Super Bowl, which I doubt happens. But, you know, this is a game that has um, big implications to it, not necessarily divisional or anything like that, but it, it's, you know, momentum. If the Bucs can win that game and, you know, get the Patriots behind them because everyone circled it, everyone's talked about it since, you know, before the schedule even came out last year. You know, Brady's going to have to go back there. But do I think in any any instance that anyone's overlooking this game? No, because of the magnitude of the situation. Right. We're talking about two teams in my mind that are going to be vying for the NFC championship uh, and, and representing their their team, their conference in the Super Bowl. And, you know, not only right now in regular season standings but down the road as well for seating issues. Um, if they end up with the same record head to head um and just saying hey you know we this team is you know kind of like what we were last year you know a lot of people were picking them for the super bowl or you know it all depends on how quickly the quarterback meshes with the team and you know they want to beat this team and say hey you know you guys beat us last year we're gonna come in here we're gonna beat you here plus brady's gotta get that victory in la too he hasn't you know he's never played in la he's got to If he's going to win in every stadium, it starts next week, (laughs) this week in LA before he can go out to new England and win it in that stadium as, as an opposing quarterback. But, you know, I'll give you a score prediction. I think this, you know, for some weird reason in me, I feel like this game could be low scoring for, even though both of these offenses are so explosive. Yeah. I don't know. I have a weird feeling it could be low scoring, but I'm going to go against my feeling against my gut. I'm going to say it's going to be 34 to 31 Buccaneers going to come down to a field goal. Whether that's, you know, just a field goal apart, whether that's suck up making the last minute field goal, whether that's, you know, Matt Gay missing the last minute field goal to tie it up. Uh, I just feel like a field goal comes into play somewhere around here. And these teams put up over 60 points combined. Um, Yeah but I would not be shocked if it was, it was a low scoring game. I really wouldn't be. Uh, oh, I was about reason. to
0: say, you think 34, 31 is a low score. <laughs> no, uh, that was my immediate. And I was like, Oh yeah, of course you mean, it's not going to, your, your prediction isn't a low score. Although you think I it could have prepared for, prepare for it. Yeah. You know, you I mean at the end of the day, uh both of these teams have all pro players on the defense and very
1: well coached too.
0: Yeah, very very much so. And uh both of them, you know, last season you could have argued that the Rams had the number one pass defense and the Bucks absolutely had the number one run defense. So mm. um yeah, on that on that again, mm. a lot of those things are the same although the Rams did lose defensive coordinator Brandon Staley uh and then got Raheem and Morris Johnson. who the Bucks know very well. And they lost uh,
1: JJ too, so
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a that is a big loss as well. Um, And there's been a numerous changes, but uh, having Aaron Donald is the one thing, you know, I really think you could say that Tom Brady and Aaron Donald are the top two players in the NFL right now, and they, they will be going against each other in a few days.
1: Yeah, offensive and defensive MVP so far. I think Kyler Murray's making a great case, but yeah. you can't overlook what Tom Brady's done at the age of forty-four. People, yeah, insane. And as you said, you know, it's a shame for people who hate Tom Brady who can't, you know, just live in the moment and say, "Hey, we're witnessing something that we will probably never, ever see again," and just appreciate yeah. it for football and for what it's worth. But for at football. forty-four, I don't. I I am. I tell you, when I came down here for training camp um after watching him in new england and the first time i saw him throw a ball i was like where did that come from the zip the velocity Uh, i just he's reinvigorated down here and it's it's obviously showed 50 touchdowns including the playoffs last year and i think he's on his on gronk is on his way to like 76 touchdowns if he keeps it i mean it's just it's crazy. crazy you know uh what he's been able to do at at this age and you know he just keeps getting handsomer too i think that's why people are so mad (laughs) when you look at him when he was younger compared to now it's like you know did he get plastic surgery
0: (laughs) probably well i won't say probably that's not my place (laughs) celebrities get
1: better looking as as they age i don't know what happens but
0: yeah well you know and and, yeah it's funny to me that you know like i know a guy who like writes for will smith's instagram and that does that's like you know, uh, that's not just one guy. He like works on a team of people whose job is just there. And like Tom Brady's at that Will Smith level of celebrity and, uh, Instagram. And yet he also seems to be, uh, quick witted in an interview. So like, he's also uh, not just funny on online, you know, he seems to have a quick oh, wit about himself.
1: Yeah. He's great. His, his social media posts are just something. It's They're something. Hilarious.
0: Yeah. He's, uh, on top of it there. I will uh, say I,
1: I cannot wait until he, I, I'm not sure it's going to happen, but how can he not get him on with Eli and Peyton Manning on a Monday night football broadcast, which by the way, rest in peace to ESPN's regular Monday night football broadcast, oh, yeah. because man, that is, that is just too entertaining to watch. Now I desperately want Tom Brady to get there. Cause I want to hear him rib on Peyton. And I want Eli to be like, Hey, yeah,
0: how's that undefeated? Yeah, season? that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, that is probably the next uh, big get right. Is Tom Brady as a, yeah. uh, uh, as a broadcaster but yeah if only they could probably they, if only they could get him to do it on like a bye week but uh <laughs> that's probably not going to happen right. um jc allen from the pewter report p-e-w-t-e-r pewter report um here to talk about the bucks uh jc where can people find you anything you uh you'd like to plug or say before we go
1: yeah, definitely. Follow me on Twitter at J.C. Allen, a l e n n f l at J.C. Allen NFL on Twitter. Follow us on Pewter Report uh, on Twitter as well, peterreport.com If you guys want more information on this current matchup, what our thoughts are, what the strengths and weaknesses, we just put out a roundtable on what players we need to watch for on the Rams, who, you know, I don't want to say scarce the most, but make us feel uneasy. Uh, spoiler alert, I picked Cooper Cup. I think he's going to have a heck of a game. Very nervous about him. Um, but definitely check us out, our information. As I always say on here, I think it's great to learn more about opposing teams. Uh, any way to expand your NFL knowledge as a fan, as someone who loves the game, it's always a plus. So uh, I've had a, a great time learning more about the Rams uh, this week just based off my own study and talking to, uh, someone like you as well. So I got to thank you to have me on here, guys, check me out on Twitter, check us out on Twitter and, uh, go bucks.
0: <laughs> well, go Rams. Let's uh, not forget that. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's it for uh, turf show times radio, uh, the podcast, go ahead and, subscribe there and make sure you're checking out all of our upcoming episodes including at, right after this sunday's game against uh, the tampa bay buccaneers uh, i'll go ahead and pick the rams to win just to make sure we're balanced there uh, and as well as i believe it so there you go uh, for this episode of trip show times the podcast come back soon for the next episode